Welcome to For Your Amusement, a theme park podcast that aims to exhaustively evaluate the world's most popular theme park attractions to determine if they are world class. I'm Ryan Bergara. I'm Byron Marin. And for this episode's featured attraction, we grab six of our similar sized pals and move in with a random lady to discuss the Seven Dwarfs Mine Trade at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, and Shanghai Disneyland. I've only been on this in Orlando. I haven't been to Shanghai Disneyland. I'm very jealous that you have, though. I It just was a weird happenstance situation. I was in Shanghai a month after the park opened in 2016. I was by myself and... When you're when you're in Shanghai a month after it opens, you're, you're definitely you're making your way over there. That's and, so amazing. And I will say though, it's it's like a car. It, to me, you know, felt like a carbon copy. It was ex- exactly the same as the version in Orlando. So for this particular ride, which is also you know Tron, which opened with the park there in Shanghai in yeah. 2016 as well, also a carbon copy. Like there's nothing experience wise from either of those two coasters. That feels any bit different. So, in regards to Seven Dwarfs Mine Train today, you don't have to feel that jealous. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm, that's what I'll. That's what I was getting. I'm to. also jealous you got on that fucking pirates ride and looked sick. Okay, you could be jealous about that. one. I haven't watched any. I watched a clip, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. And seeing as how we don't have a guest here, we just decided to cover this one because it's a fun little ride. I enjoy it. You know, I do as well. It's it's good. It's good. I don't know how it'll measure up in regards to these tests, but. You know, it's, well, at least stateside, you're juicy sclusy. That's right. It um, is a juicy. It's like a little gusher, mm-hmm. just packed, packed with flavor for being such a yeah. small little package. And it's fun and it's extremely popular, which I'm sure we'll get into yes, it uh, is. very soon. But um, so obviously there is an affinity for it. Yeah. Right amongst many, you know, park guests. It's fun for the kids. It is fun for the kids. <laughs> it's fun for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, to, not to be confused. Uh, but let's get into some history. December 21st, 1937, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves premiered at the Carthay Circle Theater, becoming the first feature-length animated film to release in the United States. Produced by Walt Disney, the unprecedented earnings from Snow White would lead to the creation of a movie studio that would continue to create animated classics and set the gold standard in the medium. 1955, Walt's focus shifts to the world of amusement enterprise, resulting in the opening of Disneyland, which featured many attractions inspired by his works one of which was Snow White and Her Adventures, a dark ride in Fantasyland that put guests into the point of view of Snow White and took them through various and horrifying scenes depicted in the animated classic. Though I will say too, before that ride came came to be, he also, uh, they built, I think, I think it was called Dwarfland. It was basically just a walking set through, like you could walk through the sets of Snow White and this was like done in LA. It's oh, just really? like a walkthrough attraction to promote the movie. Incredible. Wow. And, and folks loved it. Oh, so this it. is in the 30s. This is like in the 30s. Uh, I read this in that book, Disney's Land. Incredible. Uh, and yeah, they, uh, people loved the the attention to detail. So that might have been some of the seeds for Disneyland even being planted by this movie alone. So Yeah, and you don't, you don't get those in most documentaries. So. No, you do not. No, no. <laughs> Now, fast forward roughly 16 years with the opening of Disney World's Magic Kingdom in 1971, came their own rendition of the dark ride entitled Snow White's Adventures. It's important to note that both of these versions of the ride got a name change Yes, at different particular points of, uh, of time to... Uh, be called Snow White's Scary Adventures. <laughs> That's more because apt. Uh, yeah, Snow White's Scary Adventures is uh, was kind of a better way to get people ready for what the ride was because so many families were just 
thinking they're taking their little kids onto this little wholesome experience only to have this witch turn around and cackle in your face and create you know nightmares that i still occasionally have yeah i mean i don't know there's footage of this ride on youtube it's like kind of it looks like footage that was ripped from the blair witch project it's like a little handy cam but it, it's before time there was night vision so it's just kind of like a flashlight mounted on this camera and you see the witch's face illuminated by a spotlight not something that i i would be uh stoked to show my child and specifically the magic kingdom version yeah that opened 1971 it just based off the footage they really went for looks it. horrifying they went for i it. could only imagine i this actually might be true claude Coates, i believe had a part in this mm, ride that guy's a cheeky man makes <laughs> no sense. surprise uh if famed so. imagineer claude yeah. Coates, known for his spookiness mm-hmm. great great atmosphere but yeah he had a he had a dark spot somewhere in his in his psyche i swear no, that guy that guy's mm. messed up <laughs> now back <laughs> to magic kingdom just two weeks after the October 1st, 1971 opening of the park and Snow White's Adventures came another Fantasyland attraction by the name 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, A Submarine Voyage. The ride system for this underwater adventure was introduced in 1959 with Disneyland's Submarine Voyage, but the theming was changed to reflect the 1959 Disney film that was inspired by the works of Jules Verne. This was basically done because... They basically had the land in Fantasyland. They wanted to put the submarine ride in Fantasyland. Doing the submarine voyage as it was in Disneyland wouldn't have really made no. thematic sense. No, it would not have. So they went They went with the old, uh, I call it the Verniverse. Yeah. <laughs> the, steam, the steampunk uh, vibe of what, and uh, they have like that the in, Nautilus essentially is what you board. And, and Disney see they have a, a Jules Verne kind of They like. do, yeah. I think it's called Mysterious Island. Ooh, shit. Just, yeah, so you get you get a little more of the Verniverse in there. Sounds like um, a Netflix show. Something, uh, something to, uh, Imagineer Tony Baxter was like really thinking, even like with Disneyland and like Magic Kingdom trying to bring a Jules Verne. But it eventually found its way into to Disney Sea. I think it was, what was it called here? It's like Port Discovery or something like that. It was supposed no to be. Idea. It was supposed to be like an extension of Frontierland, huh? Like where the story of Frontierland continued into like a steampunk. It's wild, but anyways, twenty thousand leagues under the sea at Magic Kingdom. Despite being adored by guests over its many years of operation, this attraction would close on September fifth, nineteen ninety four, permanently. This was likely due to its low hourly capacity, in addition to the high maintenance costs. This large plot of land would be used for a meet-and-greet area called Ariel's Grotto in 1996 and Pooh's Playful Spot from 2005 to 2010. Big fan. Just saying. Never you're, been to it, but big you're fan. You're a big fan of Pooh's you know, Playful you, Spot. If you know, you know. You know what? If you know, you know. Meanwhile, just down the path near the Cinderella Castle was Snow White's Scary Adventures. Still doing its thing. Terrifying guess. Yeah. Uh, but not for long, as it would suffer the same fate as 20,000 Leagues closing permanently on May 31st, 2012 to make way for the Princess Fairy Tale Hall, aka more character meet and greet space. Yeah, I guess when you have kids, it makes sense to have all these meet and greet spots. I don't even recall, though, really standing in line for those when I was a kid. Let, not not enough to warrant an entire building. Like I kind of like them roaming around out in the wild. But I guess I, guess I could yeah. see the backdrop. Like, I think I think it just got too crazy, right? Yeah, and I suppose it would clog up the walkways if you're just having people constantly chasing, like, you know, Goofy. But, and, uh, you know, I wish I could go into Goofy's. And this was around the time... Oh, sorry, what is it? It's Goofy's house. 
Goofy's house. Well, Goofy has his bounce house, but if like Goofy had like his own house like Mickey, I would much rather go to Goofy's house. Mm -hmm. There'd probably be a lot of liquor in those cabinets. Yeah, there probably would be. (laughs) (laughs) You know, being a theme park sicko takes you all over the world. And when you're using public Wi-Fi, you have to be safe. With NordVPN, I do not have to worry. NordVPN is a service that protects your internet connection and your privacy online by creating an encrypted tunnel for your data, protecting your online identity by hiding your IP address. NordVPN protects your data like bank details, passwords, and online identity. And when traveling, NordVPN protects your info wherever you are in the world. And when using public Wi-Fi, you need all the protection you can get. NordVPN can also switch your virtual location, allowing you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. One NordVPN account can be used on up to six devices on every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, macOS, and Linux. So every device your family is taking to the park can be locked down tight. To grab our huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com FYA. Our code will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box. But in terms of like the, the meet and greet space, that was also around the time, uh, or at least for the, uh, the Princess Fairy Tale Hall. Yeah. That was around the time where Frozen came out around that time okay so elsa was like a huge draw i don't know if they planned it that way because i think they already had plans of doing the fairy tale hall the kids love elsa and since that came out i remember seeing like an hour plus wait queue in that building where snow white used to be so it does so it does have a draw not worth it well not worth it for us i mean i'd wait an hour to meet olaf you gotta you gotta think of the kids you know you gotta you know some some people want to meet their favorite disney characters you know see olaf ice skating yeah (laughs) i'd fucking do it okay there you go get a line beer for that one yeah dude if i could meet olaf i'd be two beers deep at least before i met his ass but unfortunately we lose snow white's scary adventures through this meet and greet But on a positive note, by this time, Fantasyland at Magic Kingdom was in the middle of a massive expansion project entitled New Fantasyland. Very creative. Yes. (laughs) This included leveling the large area of land that was once home to 20,000 leagues and building a new Snow White-based attraction. Imagineers would team up with their coaster manufacturing partners in crime, Vacoma, to build a family-friendly roller coaster with state-of-the-art ride vehicles that would allow passengers to freely sway left to right as a proper minecart would. Those folks, they did stuff over in like Euro Disney and all that stuff, right? Vacoma? Vacoma? I mean, they've done pretty much everything, almost everything coaster-wise with Disney. Oh, that's cool. I'd say ever since the 90s, because they did what? Rock and Roller Coaster... They did the recent uh, Cosmic Rewind. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, they did Love Tron, and they've done Seven Dwarves Mine Train. There's like there's very, there's few exceptions uh, off the top of my head. Like Incredicoaster was manufactured by Intamin, but um, yeah, they're, they're kind of the go-to uh, coaster manufacturers for Disney now. That's a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of ironic because they some people kind of feel like Vacoma knocked or Air, helped Air. help knock Arrow out of okay. business, who used to be the manufacturer for most of Disney's rides. You got to stay sharp, like Matterhorn. You have to stay and, sharp. Yeah. 
if we don't be careful, you know, someone might take our job here on yeah. FYA pod. But yeah, back to your European reference. Yeah, like with Euro Disney and I guess, yeah, Disney was essentially, or Arrow was using Vacoma to essentially do their European projects. Huh. And that's why some people like speculate that like Vacoma kind of took their like coaster, uh, you know, track style and kind of like took it and ran with it and did their own <laughs> they Zuckerberg like, them and then they yeah <laughs> the Facebook so, um, but yeah that that that's a complicated uh, story uh, that I don't even know the full extent of so you know take it take it for what you want at this time <laughs> alright Imagineers would also develop and build out 3D animated animatronics with the intention of bringing a new level of life to the iconic characters which I'm sure you have thoughts on. I do have thoughts on the rear projection. On May 21st, 2014, Seven Dwarves Mine Train would soft open, and on May 28th, 2014, Seven Dwarves Mine Train would officially open at the Magic Kingdom and would quickly become one of the most popular attractions at the Walt Disney World Resort, boasting multi-hour long lines on the reg. Damn. And on June 16th, 2016, Shanghai Disneyland opened to the public, which included their own clone of the Seven Doors Mine Train attraction. I wonder if it's as popular there or if the lines are as crazy. Shanghai Disney, from my understanding, pretty packed, pretty <laughs> packed park. But uh, <laughs> that's a good question. And once again, I went to Disneyland Shanghai a month after it opened. Yeah. Was it busy? Yes. Their walk, like their pathways though are so like, they definitely built the park with the idea that, Hey, like we don't want people like all crammed together. Like they made really wide walkways. It's a big park. That's cool. And although the park was busy, I went on Tron four times. Oh my God. With in a row. Um, I like went two times in a row and then I came back later in the day. I think closer to the evening to write it another two times. That's like what you did with Guardians recently. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck you did that. Um, and uh, so I was able to do that without waiting more than 10 to 15 minutes tops. I think I walked on a couple times. But Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, I waited an hour for. Oh, man. So... I don't know what that says about capacity or oh, maybe that a, it's more kid friendly. I have a little um, bit about the capacity. And that's the other thing is like, for example, they have soaring. I think they call it soaring over the horizons there. Yeah. Basically they're like it's soaring around the world. Uh, and that was a three hour wait. So I didn't even do that. But yeah, in, in regards to current reputation, do you want to take a stab at the, and I only took the times from the Walt Disney world version not the Shanghai version, but do you want to take a crack at the highest recorded wait time? I mean, it's got to be huge. I would think it's probably, we're, we're talking close to 300 minutes, I think, would be, because I, I know this this ride has had some ungodly waits for some reason. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go 300 minutes. It's good. It's a good guess. It's 270. Yeah, that makes sense. Is the highest recorded. That's ridiculous. You want to take, uh, yeah. <laughs> for a ride that's not that big. Uh, average wait time, ooh, hour and a half. Average wait time is 75 minutes. Yeah. It, it, look, folks, this ride, you got to go to it first. Uh, there's really no other way around it. If you have like uh, magic hours or whatever, and then you, you and you could get into the park early, definitely head to this bad boy first. And if you rope drop, definitely head to this bad boy first. It, it, it just gets packed. And the capacity is not completely horrible, um, but I am curious why it does. It's the thing is, it's a decent capacity, but... I don't think they designed it with enough, like with capacity as, you know, 
prominent because yeah. you they had to have known how huge the demand would be. No, I mean it's one of those things where it's for, for all ages. Of, it's like a family roller coaster, but at the same time has some thrill elements. Yeah, that it's like, like it's in nice an area of the park with so much foot tra- like traffic. Everyone could pretty much ride it in terms of you know in regards to thrill level. And at the time of um, this recording, Magic Kingdom is the most visited theme park in the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, which still kind of blows my mind. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I even, I don't think I even have Magic Kingdom yeah. in my top two in Disney World. Yeah, I mean, well, I feel like I'm spoiled by Disneyland, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm talking. Be if you had to rank there. the parks in Disney World, I would probably go Epcot, then Animal Kingdom, then Magic Kingdom, and then yeah. But I don't know how much of that is swayed by that. I always have Disneyland here. That's true. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Anyways, but I'd say as far as like current reputations, it's a, it's an obviously still a very, very popular ride. And then in terms of uh, I hear all sorts of I think it really covers the spectrum. Like, I don't like feel like people are, like over the moon about it. No anymore. <laughs> I think maybe when it first opened, it had a little more of that. because It was just like it was the new toy. It was really kind of it felt yeah. novel that you had like these, you know, fun little swing. The swings my cards. I'm sure, you know, I'm like. You know, if you if you were to survey a bunch of kids, this might be like one of their favorite it rocks rides. Rocks sleep it's, like a little baby. It's like I think it is aesthetically pleasing. I think there's a really funny uh, Poseidon Entertainment video on this. By the way, where I, I think I saw lo- the title he, that he can't stand this he ride. Said the and you know what? Doors yeah. Mine Train is a disaster. Yeah, my full support. <laughs> I I don't know if I go to those lengths, but I think it's it's a, it's still f- a worth a watch. It's Friend a f- of the pod, uh, Poseidon. It's, it's a good. It's a it's an interesting take. Um. Anyways, let's move on to some fun facts here. Uh, the ride length is three minutes with a top speed of 34 miles per hour, a capacity of 1500 riders per hour and a reported cost of 24,763,432. It's the only ride I've done on this show where there was a, some, for some reason, a very exact cost. And how many cents? No cents. <laughs> Even on the cents, they just left the, the cents in the tip jar. But, uh, $24 million, close to 25, let's call it 25 yeah, I mean, that's actually way less expensive than I thought it would be. I agree. I don't know. Because there's it's a lot of like rock work. And also just like the animatronics were really revolutionary for the time. The ride system was revolutionary. I, I guess, guess they didn't spend a lot on track. No, they definitely <laughs> did not spend a lot on track. And on the subject of track, mm-hmm. uh, there is only 2,000 feet of track on this ride, which is dwarf-like in the coaster world. Mm-hmm. And that limits the number of coasters that could be on the track at the same time, which then takes... Uh, capacity quite down uh so despite each train holding 20 people the capacity really uh suffers because of this tiny little track they have do you have the capacity total on there 1500 people per, 1500 per hour and yeah. that feels like a lot that feels more theoretical than actual uh because yeah I, this is a slow loader for whatever reason and i i wasn't able to find if they have more than one train on a track at the time i think they might have two they should because they have they I mean they have enough block sections for it and they, yeah because it's a think, little dark. I do right believe second. there is an unload station. Um. Yeah, and then you have two you have two chain lifts. So the the block if it, Disney usually designs a lot of their rides to have the block sections to account for that and block sections being like a part of a roller coaster that allows like if you're in one block section and then another train is in a different block section, it lets the ride operators know that it's safe to either start another train. So it, it's basically a way to account for where the trains are. Yeah. And, and avoid collisions ultimately is the, yes. is the goal. Which, you know, good. It's good. That they so, do if, that. so if something happens, you know, 
at the block section in front of it, the sensors can detect it and stop the the ride in the previous block section. I can't think of a more goofy way to die than dying on the Seven Dwarves mine train while I'm swaying back and forth like a little baby. Oh man, yeah, like you want to die on like Velocicoaster getting blo- launched into the sun. Yeah, <laughs> one of those hills. Yeah, not because dying at thirty miles an hour is so. rough. It's tough. You probably wouldn't die quickly either. If there's a group who knows the importance of efficiency, it's my FYA listeners. Any minute wasted could mean you're not getting on that world-class attraction you planned your whole trip around. That's why I want to talk about Factor Meals. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. And it couldn't be easier. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. And they've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is extremely flexible, and that's perfect for folks like us. Maybe I'm at the parks for a week and home the next. With Factor, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. To try for yourself, head to factormeals.com slash FYA50 and use code FYA50 to get 50% off. That's code FYA50 at factormeals.com slash FYA50 to get 50% off. Uh, the Dwarf Cottage in the queue is a faithful recreation of the one scene in the film. It's pretty spectacular. I saw some footage of this recently at night, and I was like, wow, that's really nice. Uh, there are three interactive elements in the queue, all with little notes from Doc, who is one of the uh, uh, dwarves, and he lets you know how to use these things. One of these uh, interactive elements is uh, this kind of like a, it's like a line of 12 wooden spigots, which when ep- interrupted by your hand, uh, it'll play a single musical note for each spigot. And when played correctly, you can actually replicate the melody from the film. I So I suppose if you are in this line for a long time, which you likely are, you could sit there and just, you know, finger some spigots. <laughs> just sit there. Get to diddling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I wonder, I haven't tried this, but the next time I go there, I'm going to see if I could play the beat to Funky Town. Worth a shot. Like Towley from... <laughs> From South Park. I don't know if it like yeah, it's such a luck of the draw. That's the beat though. to Funky Town. That's what he says. That's the melody to Funky Town. That's the melody to Funky Town. It's a good. I I don't think so. I think uh, it said each one represents the 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 entirety of the twelve spigots represent the twelve chromatic scales. I don't know what the fuck that means. I'm not a music major. I'm not. I clearly, care. I am not either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Either way, apparently you could replay the the melody from the Snow White films. And then the other uh, interactive element that I want to talk about is the barrel spinning. Inside the, they call it the vault, inside the kind of interior portion of the queue, there are these barrels that you could spin around. And when you spin them, uh, it projects something onto the ceiling, which is kind of fun. But if you spin all the barrels at the same time, Snow White will appear on the ceiling. Hmm. Isn't that fun? Super fun. That's pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> uh, that's pretty sweet. I don't know. Uh, but there is also another, the other interactive element is just like this kind of weird, it almost looks like they embedded iPads into like the rock work and you could drag You're jewels. moving the little gems around. I would imagine that's probably not as active now post COVID. 
That's what I was wondering is but, how uh, much of this. I do remember that the, the water uh, yeah. still feature, I think, still works. I thought I, I I thought I attempted to play with it for like yeah. a minute or Sitting two. Sitting there did not, did not get the melody to Funky Town. Did not anything. diddle it enough. No. You're always there for like a matter of two seconds. If, unless you want to like hold the line up. You need more warm up than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, imprints of animal tracks, acorns, branches. Those are seen in the ground of the queue in the forest portion. Just an attention to detail that the Imagineers have. It's really cool to see that. Uh, the figures of Grumpy, Doc, Bashful, Sleepy, and Happy that are all seen in the end of the ride in the little dancing scene in the cottage. Uh, were taken from the now defunct Snow White's scary adventures. Hmm. And then the Snow White figure and the witch and all that stuff, those were made specifically for this ride. But they were able to retrofit old figures, which is nice. Nice. Keep that. Keep it at the $20 million. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of scary adventures, this cottage dancing scene is also home to one of the funniest and most horrifying ride malfunctions. Uh, one of the most funny and horrifying ride malfunctions I've ever seen on a ride in recent memory, in which... The dancing Snow White's animatronic arm detaches from her body, but even funnier, this arm is being held limply in the hands of a dancing dopey, <laughs> as if he ripped it off and is celebrating with it like Leatherface. <laughs> it's fucking I, amazing. I do believe I've seen this It's clip. a funny clip. We'll show it on the video podcast uh, right now as B-roll. Uh, people just horrified by this, because <laughs> the scene is... Snow White is dancing around with the dwarves celebrating and she's holding like the hand in kind of like a like a square dancing fashion with Dopey. I guess Dopey's animatronic ripped a little too hard, ripped her arm clean off. And so her arm is just dangling in his hands and he's dancing around like, look what I did. I don't know. know, (laughs) I don't know my own strength. Uh, It's really, really funny. Highly recommend you watch that if you're listening to this podcast Um, or just queue up FYA pod on watcherpodcast.com. And you could see it right there. Uh, also from Snow White's Scary Adventure are the two vultures perched near the uh, mine train. Uh, uh, mine, mine train. I think it's like on one of the um, on one of the lift gates outside. You could see these two vultures. You know, it's cool that there's not just completely abandoning the horrifying history of the Snow White adventure. Yeah. Um, the cradle design of the ride vehicles that allows the carts to rock back and forth independently from the track mimic the carts that are seen in the film which rock back and forth to allow for easier loading slash unloading of the jewels. Uh, and, and there's actually a lot of great homages to the film in this ride. Another one is uh, there's the scene where uh, in the queue, there's this door that's called the vault. That is a pretty much a faithful recreation of the one that's seen in the film. And in the film, Dopey locks the vault, but then leaves the key hanging outside of the vault. Oh, that's ain't right. They, ain't they like Dopey? Anyways, that key <laughs> is here in the queue. You could see that very fun. Um, the shadows of the dwarves that are marching when you go up that final lift gate, no, not final lift gate, but when you go up the big lift gate inside the uh, dark ride portion of the ride, those are actually rotoscoped straight from the film and then projected onto the wall. So like, I, and that's a, crazy to me because they look so clean on the wall, but it's mm. such an iconic silhouette from the movie. In the yeah. movie, they're dancing along uh, a log while they're singing mm-hmm. hi-ho. But in, uh, in the ride, they just rotoscoped it out. And for, if you don't know what rotoscoping is, it's basically like literally going into a movie and frame <laughs> by frame cutting out a person. Or uh, let's say if, they, if, you, if someone's flying, like an Avengers flying and they're on wires, they would go frame by frame and remove the wires from the footage. So they did that with this ride, except they used it for the shadows. Really cool stuff. Uh, this isn't really a ride fact, but the original Snow White fairy tale, uh, it featured dwarfs that were nameless. So when they made the Snow White version for Disney, they had to make new made-up names for these dwarves. 
And apparently there are some <laughs> some really funny rejected names for the dwarves. <laughs> and I'm going to list some of them right now. There was Wheezy. There was Jumpy. Sniffy. Burpy. Shorty. Dizzy. And then some of my favorites here. Baldy. <laughs> Hickey. <laughs> Tubby. And incredibly Deffy. I'm going to only assume that that is a dwarf that cannot hear, and they call him Deffy. <laughs> Tubby's also really funny. Def- Tubby and Baldy just making fun of these like dwarves' appearance. It's pretty brutal. I'd like to see it. <laughs> um, I can't imagine why those are rejected. Uh, this ride features rear projection animatronics that project faces onto 3D molds of the characters. I have my opinions on those. I think they work to varying levels of success. Uh, this ride also is one of the few rides that has guest footage in that uh, most you know rides have like a ride photo, but this one actually has footage of you riding the ride, which is really funny because when I went on this ride with my bachelor party of 10, 30-year-old men, just our faces on this goofy little mine train roller coaster. It was like one of the first rides we did and just seeing some of my friends not into it at all because uh, it's kind of like, it's not like a scream it out, kind of roller coaster section it's kind of like a yay and this is you know, one like, of those photo pass moments that like has like a, a like a like a high frame rate like video version yeah, yeah, right yeah. so you get to see is we recently went on this with lizzie lockard and uh shane uh, when right. we were there for we were in there for uh ghost files live for the orlando mm-hmm. show some funny footage of us on that too uh is that this is original content though. that's deffy Matt Matt Rial, our pod producer here, is showing us concept art of Deffy, which for listeners, it's pretty much a dwarf holding his hand up to his ear like, what are you saying? (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of sad because he's never going to know what you're saying, uh, at least from the uh, acoustic version of it. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's I can't imagine why that didn't make it past the first stage. In the queue, the song that's playing, speaking of not making it past the first stage, is a song that was actually cut from the movie and a sequence. There's actually an animatic made of this sequence. It's a song called Music in Your Soup. We could play a little bit of that right now. You can cheer things up with the zup, zup, zup of the music in your soup. That plays in the queue. It's kind of catchy. Uh, but, you know, I get it. It's like this was one of the first big gambles on animation as a feature film. They probably are looking for places to trim. At least like a lot of people at the time were worried about what like watching that much animation. Yeah, yeah. Which makes would, sense. Like, do to your like if people would get like sick or like Oh, interesting. Or yeah. Or like yeah, just it wouldn't be like pleasant to watch for like a feature length runtime. Well they were wrong. I mean people also didn't think talkies would work. Music in your soup, really good name for a title of a song. Uh, I actually, I feel like if uh, there was a restaurant called Music in Your Soup, I'm in. Tear down, be our guest. I love soup. And, and I love it. music. <laughs> if I could have music in my soup, even better. Uh, it's like that swimming pool in the Universal, uh, I think it's like the Hard Rock uh, Resort, the, the hotel that's in Universal Orlando. They play music underwater. That's right. So I imagine this would be something similar. Um, each of the carts looks slightly different, suggesting the dwarfs built them themselves. Fun little detail there. There's a hidden Mickey in the form of three gems above Grumpy's head in the mine, as well as a hidden Oswald the rabbit, which is, if, if you don't know, that's the, the guy that predated Mickey before uh, Walt had to change it to Mickey due to copyright reasons. Uh, there's a hidden Oswald carved into a ceiling beam as you ascend the lift hill in the mine. 
you uh, get some sweet fantasy land views. That's not really a fun fact. It's just, well, I mean, it is a fun fact. You do get some sweet views on this of uh, a fantasy land because every part of this ride is, I guess what you would call in the show. Like the, it's like in the center of fantasy land essentially. And so you get some great views Uh, from there. Let's move on to first impressions. But before we do that, let's have a word from our sponsors. Okay. And we are back moving on to first impressions uh let's just talk about the first time you went on this ride what did you what did you think of it oh man i had actually a pretty good first experience on this ride oh, i don't yeah. know if i've ever told you this story or the way you're smirking right now no I'm kind no of no like i'm just like now i'm like remember like what kind of like rocking we were, were you doing in that cart no 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 um <laughs> uh nothing of that break? matter this was uh the first time I wrote it was the first day that it soft opened. Mm. So I didn't know, like it wasn't like, I don't know if it was a confirmed thing that I was going to open that day, Yeah, but I had heard stuff about a soft open. I Which by to be, the way, a soft open is just basically a test run where they let the public come in. They won't announce the rides officially open, but they'll just be like, you could come ride this before yeah. we officially open it. Yeah. You can, you'll experience that with some restaurants too. Yeah. Uh, like usually they, you know, they want to... <laughs> kind of get like the kinks out and like get you know before the heart open yeah where they have the real demand so they don't like announce anything like publicly but if you're in the know you're in the know and i was this was like back when every resort guest uh had extended evening hours so magic kingdom was open till well like magic kingdom was open until 1 a.m this night amazing and so i was like well i heard there's like potentially a soft opening happening like today or tonight like and we like we like moseyed over there and lo and behold, they had, they had opened the uh, Seven Doors Mine Train. I think we waited about 45 minutes to an hour. An easy wait if you're like excited. For That's the thing. And it's like, yeah. so I didn't know like much to expect. I was just excited that, you know, they had got Magic Kingdom had gotten another roller coaster. Um, It was a night ride. So I have never been on this ride at night. I feel like it would be fun. And yeah, so riding it after riding it after midnight too, it feels like, you know, if you're waiting 45, it's like, oh, that just feels like bonus time. So yeah. it's like you get waiting 45 minutes to an hour to ride a ride that's not put, like officially open yet. Definitely kind of sways my thoughts in the direction of like, I, I mean, I had a great first experience on this ride. I didn't know it had like an indoor like scene with the animatronics. So I thought that was super cute. Yeah. When it is at night, it does feel a little more thrilling. With, I imagine like, that. With every roller coaster. Um, and that combined with just being excited for it being a new ride, I think brought a little extra rush to it. Whereas like if, you know, we'll talk about this later on in the show, but in terms of first impressions, was super impressed. I wasn't used to those animatronics too with the, the rear uh, projections. With the rear proje- projections, and I gotta say, and once again, this will come up later. They looked a lot better well, on that first night. That's also because it's night and it's not as uh, lit inside that. That's fair, and it's just usually dark in there. But I think the I think the issue with some of those rear screens too is they don't sync up. Like over time, I think they lose. Uh Especially when you have like the moving pieces because they're like projecting on the ears, the hands, like yeah. they essentially had taken those animatronics because they had done it with Buzz Lightyear in that pre-show before. I remember that. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so this was kind of like the next level of that. But I think everything was just synced up really well. Um, 
like the colors seem to pop better. Once again, I might just be looking at it through a different, you know, first time lens, but I enjoyed those animatronics much more that first time than no, <laughs> I actually forward. had a, a similar reaction. The first mm -hmm. time I got on this, I wasn't sure what to expect. I knew it was brief. I knew it was a very, very short ride. So I was already mentally prepared for that. Even still, it did still feel pretty short, um, but I had been hearing a lot uh, about the animatronics. In fact, Dis you know how every, every now and then Disney Parks will release like little behind the scenes clips of a piece of technology they're excited about, particularly on a new ride that's coming out. And I remember they did one for the uh, animatronics for this ride. And I got really stoked because on, on camera, they looked really crisp. And I do recall that when I first went on it, those animatronics, the projection was pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, I think I, over time, maybe like the projector itself or perhaps like the surface they're projecting on gets a little dull. Yeah, it feels like a little like washed or faded because I, I watched that same clip this morning and I'm like, see, they did look good. They looked like, pretty damn was... good. <laughs> uh, but it, now they kind of look more like the Lightning McQueen projection of mm -hmm. his mouth on radio. Which Springs. did predate this ride. I yeah. yeah, this uh, projection's awful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed this ride the first time I got on it. I thought it was very fun anyways let's get into the good and the bad what are the good and bad things about this ride and uh let's just let's just start with some good here the good <laughs> i don't know why i wrote this here but i wrote seeing that lady go full job of the hut it's because i forgot i don't know why i put this in the good and the bad this has nothing to do with the ride but the last time byron and i went to disney world it was with shane and lizzie like i said for the ghost files live tour we got there early and we pretty much ran over to seven dwarves mine train and people are trying to get in and there was this lady in front of us on a rascal scooter and she was trying to get in through the front entrance and the cast member was very kindly trying to explain to her hey there's a different entrance for you you could go through the back and she was not having it not realizing he was trying to help her and was very rude to him <laughs> and so she just zoomed past him on her rascal and he was like he kind of looked at me and was like eh, whatever and i was like kind of like that sucks i hate i'm sorry you had to deal with that kind of thing and we turn the corner and i see the lady again and she is now tangled in one of the line ropes the the ropes that are in the queue and it is stuck under her chin on her neck and she is like <laughs> <laughs> like jabba the hut being strangled by that chain by princess leia and i gotta say one of the more satisfying things i've ever seen in a disney park Treat your cast members right. It was very, it was instant justice. It was just like, hey, that was kind of rude. Yeah. I wish she would have some kind of, uh, you know, some punishment or repercussions for that kind of action. And I turned the corner and, and the, then she's like, <laughs> and you don't even have the excuse of it's been a long day. It's been really hot. It was the this beginning the of the day. day. She wasn't having it. And her family was trying to get her to off the rope. But for whatever reason, the signals that were the brain waves that were trying to tell her like foot to get off the gas pedal weren't working so she was just flooring it continue <laughs> continuously into this rope while the family's like oh my god <laughs> and then we just kind of like walked around and we're like all right see you guys later uh but that was also why the cast member was trying to get her to go through the other entrance so things like that wouldn't happen uh very funny uh, that has nothing to do with why this ride is good or bad but it sure warmed my evil little heart anyways uh the ride system 
big fan of the ride system. Uh, really novel. This, I guess this is the first time that they've managed to make a ride system swing back and forth like yeah. that. There's coast, there are coasters out there predating it that had like spinning features. And yeah. Whatnot, but just to, to have this kind of like subtle like sway. Yeah. And I also um, like that it had like a thematic link to it too. Like the true. fact that the carts did this in the film and now they mm-hmm. do it on the ride. Yeah. They didn't just do it for the, the fuck of it. They mm-hmm. actually had some thought behind it and, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it like really elevates what would otherwise be a very kitty like coaster, but it gives you a little juice on some of these turns, which I really enjoy. Yeah. I yeah. also did not know about it when I first got on this ride. So when I first turned that corner, I was like, whoa, uh, it's like this really fun little pirate ship moment. Did you know about this ride system before? I did, unfortunately. Ah, damn. That's the problem about being a coaster nerd is, you some, know, some stuff seeps through. Were and, you looking uh, up patents and stuff like that or? <laughs> I don't think like Patton saw. I was probably like on Screamscape at the time. I, I like, remember uh, Screamscape. Yeah, I think they're still around, right? I don't think I saw photos of it, but I remember like hearing that I was gonna or like reading about how it was gonna sway. Yeah, I think they are still around. Oh, that's great. They had great Halloween Horror Nights coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, makes the most of a small footprint. Another good I wrote there. It's not that big of an area, but I really do think it's economic in its use of space, especially since the queue's pretty built out. Like that outdoor cottage is in- impressive. Uh, the dark ride portion. I love it. Oh, yeah. it's, it's really cute. It's a really well-executed, colorful, vibrant little little dark scene. And I love seeing our guys. You know, we have Dopey putting the gems on his eyes. We have Sleepy doing his thing, sleeping in a mine cart. And then, the, and then we get to the point of the hi-ho. They really do a great job of making this feel like a moment. Yeah, because they could have just like had you go through this mine train scene and then just been playing that in the background. But what happens is Doc is like getting you ready to go up this lift hill. And then I think he hits an anvil or one of the other dwarfs hits an anvil. Mm -hmm. And it's like that ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And then it starts with a nice little. That's right, right, because they're singing the other song. Yes, they are. To start, so it's the how they transition. They're singing the we dig, dig, ding, 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 ding. So the fact that they pack two like big moments two big songs songs into one quick show scene it's great and the high hope precursor really does get you stoked i'm not really the biggest fan of that song but when i first got on this ride and that anvil hit happens it was like pavlovian like it woke me up in a in a a very kind of like subliminal (laughs) way like i was like i took i got taken back to childhood and i remember like hey this song kind of kicks ass it kind of goes uh and yeah it's it really is fun and thrilling going up that lift gate seeing the shadows of the dwarves singing along to hi-ho. A banger. It's a banger. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I think it's a banger. And the dropout of that show scene uh, of the mine, whatever. It's pretty good. You get like a little mini drop at first. Yeah, it's, a, it's pretty it... decent. Right into a, like a nice little turn there. Yeah, I think it's it's the, the appropriate size. I think it was about 35 feet tall. I think yeah. it was 35 they, first. Are they banking those turns? Yeah. And so they, the, they bank the turn after the drop and then it the, swoops you. Yeah. Well, the turns also along with the swaying motion of the mine carts. Yeah. So you, really get a, you get a little extra. Yeah. Little it's great that way. You're, you know, you're, 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 you're going through the landscaping, amazing landscaping and views on this ride. I really wish I could have gotten on this at night, but it's just such a tough thing to get on at night. That is, yeah, because the lot like well, unless you're there for the uh, the late evening hours. Like yeah. The, uh, you gotta have, yeah. Well, now you have, nowadays you have to be a deluxe a deluxe hotel. Yeah. Yeah. To get those. And that and that's like one day a week you'll get a park that has extended evening hours. So they really cut it. it used to be like any hotel, 
any night you're going to get like one of the parks is going to have extended. It's like, nope. Oh, it's the best. And you could just crawl back in the bed. And sometimes, and this is really inside baseball because it literally is baseball, but sometimes you could get on, uh, you know, <laughs> rides and stuff in Disney World and get back to your hotel room and watch the end of like a Laker game or a Dodger game, which is on West Coast time. <laughs> <laughs> which is, is pretty, a win. which I, is pretty sweet. Byron and I talked about that, that once for like the playoffs or like worlds uh, or you know playoff baseball and basketball. Incredible when at the same time. It's once. so good. Like it's, that is the benefit of. Is there a, mo- a, a moment of more pure bliss than that? <laughs> Getting on some rides and going back to the Disney hotel, World hotel bed. They have the the TV playing the the like check in music or like mm-hmm. montage that they have the promotional stuff that's on TV. You snuggle mm-hmm. up in bed in those nice cold comfy cheeks. Oh, we sheets. did we we did the uh, the game once at the uh, the bar at the Contemporary before going to bed once. That's right. Yeah, that you was and I magical. Were, we were like, at the, the monorail bar. Just can- yeah. casually cruising by in the background was or watching the, be- the game. Just a beautiful moment with your bro. You know, <laughs> my wife was upstairs in our hotel room sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "You boys have fun now." Uh, I don't know why she her voice sounded like Jesse from Toy Story, but she did not. She does not sound like that. Anyways, last couple goods here. Uh, we have the funny dancing with some classic yodeling coming from the the dwarfs. Uh, the scene is spectacular, even when Dopey doesn't rip off Snow White's arm. It's really a it's a fun little scene of them dancing around. I wish I could have been there live though for the arm rip. Oh, could you imagine just seeing Dopey? rip the arm off of snow white because the footage that w- exists it's the after the effect but i want to see him literally rip her arm off oh my gosh wouldn't it be amazing i like there's a piece of me when i see all that footage where i'm like i kind of wish i didn't see that oh it's beautiful but yeah i, I wish i could have seen him rip her arm out of the socket not because like i want to see that happen to snow white but well, i guess it's not personal i just think it's really funny to have a a, a dwarf named dopey <laughs> Fucking rip someone's arm off <laughs> and just gleefully dancing, gleefully around. dancing around with this. It was flop- like the most innocent looking with this floppy little purple hat. Yeah. Uh, also, the evil witch, really good evil witch outside the cottage. A nice little detail there. Doesn't call too much attention to itself, but subtle you, enough. But if you look over and it's like you think you're just getting this like gleeful happy ending, and then there's something just very foreboding at the end, and they're like, "All right, get off." Which is why it's even funnier because she's peering through the window of the cottage. The day that Snow White's arm was hanging off of her body and in Dopey's hands, the witch was watching that. Kind of just like, well, my work here is done. She's, she's <laughs> I already. Like, I, I can't like, even Witch kill. is looking like, what the fuck? Like, oh, that fucking Dopey beat me to the punch. <laughs> no. I'm like, I'm not that bad. That's like. crazy. That guy is, that guy is crazy. His yeah. name should be crazy. Uh, and then the ride footage. I love the ride footage on this. I think it's really novel. And it's one of the few attractions I've ever been on that does that. Yeah. But does Tron do it now? I think Tron I think might Tron, do it. I, don't, I can't confirm that, but I know for sure, obviously, that this does it. Maybe Tron, but definitely. Oh, no, no. I might be thinking of a Tower of Terror. Tower of Terror does a video at Disney World. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, where they give you like the high frame rate look. So you that's, can see the, that, oh, that's, the hair I, it's, flying it's up. A, it's the, a layup. They should have been doing that from the beginning. Um, yeah, no, that's impressive. I will add. Yeah. Any more goods from you, Byron? I had the I had the witch. I'd actually I like to say a, a, a stupid favorite of mine is just the little drop straight out of the station. Yeah, it's a good little. Just the fact, like, just and I think that just in, increases people's excitement for the ride when you just see like the train right in front of you just go whoop into the like well, especially at night, just disappear into like the darkness. I love a a, a ride or a roller coaster that immediately gets going out of the dispatch. Yeah, it gives you a little taste of what's to come. Just a little like 
pre-coaster yeah. uh, part. It's yeah, like in it's a scary just, movie when you get punched a little early by whatever the scary monster is. Yeah. Like in Scream when they immediately kill Drew Barrymore. Yeah. It's like, you're like, whoa, what the fuck's going to happen? And then you're just off. Like you're out of orbit. You just don't know what's going to exactly. happen. Exactly. You throw them off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just. Uh, I say that a lot. Scream is a lot like the Seven Dwarfs mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's, and those cars are just so aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Uh, and you have any more goods before we move to the bad? That's good. I think you, I think we covered it. It's a small ride. Uh, and the bad. Look, it's a little too short. It's a kid ride. They did not have a large footprint to work with, but I have to say it. Every time I get off of it, I'm always kind of like, all right. <laughs> That's kind of like the exact pitch and tone that I say it with, dude. Just, all right. Yeah. What yeah. are we getting on next kind of thing? <laughs> it's like a nice thing to keep the day moving. But if I had waited like a long time, as as sweet as spinning those barrels are, yeah. In the in the queue, I don't and know if you're that's gonna pretty much me. always waiting a long time for this ride. But I will say, based on my experience last time I was at Disney World, this is a bad actually. Is that <laughs> it said forty five minutes, and you know my uh, my girlfriend had never been on it. She'd never been to Disney World before. And so I'm like, oh, we got like 45 minutes is actually not bad for Seven Doors Mine Train. Let's like, let's make it happen. We got on in 10 minutes. Oh, so they were just trying to get you to buy that. And you know what? Lane. And that's the thing is they only do individual lightning lanes. Yeah. For this ride. So now I'm wondering how many times does this thing stay over an hour wait? And it's just kind of a little inflated to motivate, like motivate a purchase of an individual lightning lane for an attraction that's been open since 2012. Naughty, naughty. Or no, that's, not 20, that's, that's not dirty. That's dirty. Uh, it's dirty. Twenty fourteen. We sorry. can't say for sure that's what they're doing, but I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, next bad. Not the biggest fan of the projection technology, and that's just because it's it degrades. And I don't know if you've seen footage of this ride when the projection te- uh, tech is not working, but the blank faces of the dwarves just hammering away soullessly in this mine, haunting stuff there. Yeah. And that's coming from on the heels of me talking about Dopey ripping off a lady's arm. This, mm-hmm. this, could you imagine if Dopey's face was blank? Like a, yeah. like a, cause I think it's like a, like a literal just blank <laughs> slate, almost like a, like a mannequin, essentially. Yeah. It's creepy. I think when it's dark, I imagine it looks great. But when there's like light spill inside that tunnel, I imagine it's not as on par. Yeah. They just, I don't think there's not as like bright. I, I just don't think that, I don't think the upkeep is there. I think it actually works really well with the projection tech for this ride because it's such a like a like a kind of cartoony ride. But for any other ride, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I just hope it doesn't become like commonplace. I got one more bad here. <laughs> what the hell is this? Uh, my last bad is it's I. <laughs> I just wrote it's I. <laughs> the ride is it's very like alrighty then. Especially now you have like Tron like hundreds of feet away essentially. Yeah, it's 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 I. That's it for my bads. You have any more bads, Byron? I think you just about covered it. I don't think like this thing is like in terms of bads. There's not like a long list of bad things. It's just because a lot of it, like you said, is just a lot of it is okay. Yeah, there's not a lot of a long list of goods either. It's just mm-hmm. a very solid ride. It's yeah. a solid ride. I guess I would say like yeah, like the bad would be the demand. I don't think is worth the experience. Yeah. It's it's a worthy attraction. I'm glad they built it. Is I guess the best way I could put it. I I when I could get on it, I'm happy. When I can't get on it, I'm not going to be shedding any tears. Yeah. Unless of course I find out that I missed 
dopey ripping and, you off know what and it is it is a very it is the most highly attended theme park in the world yeah you know it's like a big part of cues was to kind of you know help with capacity get more people in the park and have give them a place <laughs> yeah exactly to kind of sit for a little while um be out of the walkways yeah um and I think in that regard, it does do a decent job. It would be nicer if the capacity was a little higher. It though. would be nice, but you know, what are you going to do? All right, let's move on to the world-class tests here. But before we do that, let's have a word from our sponsor. All right, thank you for supporting the show. Let's move on to the world-class tests. This is a rubric of 10 tests painstakingly devised by Byron and myself to determine if an attraction is world-class to receive the highly coveted world-class pass. The attraction must pass seven out of 10 tests. A score of six out of 10 leaves the attraction up for debate into world-class standing, and anything lower than a six out of 10 is an automatic fail. Test number one, the average tourist test. Would the average tourist have a hard time getting on this ride? Is there a long wait? Is there a complicated queue system? Now, this is interesting because I'm, I'm already seeing the comments saying that we are wildly inconsistent on this one because we did pass one of the rides that the entire test was devised for, which was Rise yeah. of the Resistance. And I stand my, by my decision on that one. Okay. But... All right. <laughs> I will say that this is a Not tough... to say I have not made, you know, you had some s- questionable you had decisions some on of other your own. ones. Yeah. And- uh, I will say that this is a tough ride to get on. It's it's you really have to hit it at the right time of day. It's almost always a long wait, uh, and that paired with the fact that you're not getting much ride. You buy Genie Plus. Still, you buy Genie still Plus. Used, no, you gotta you have to buy the individual Lightning Lane because you can't get it on Genie Plus. Yeah, and it's like, is twelve dollars worth this ex, this kitty coaster experience? When if you know if you really wanted to give your kid their first like coaster experience, you have Barnstormer. Yeah. Right over, uh, like, you know, like a few minutes walk away. Or if they want higher thrills, you have Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, which is a, uh, what many considered a a better mine train yeah. type coaster. I don't know. I, I'm leaning towards failing it. I'm going to be honest. It's, it, it think it's, it's a pretty tough ride. And to I guess on. like once, and this is always the bit like thing that I, I think sometimes just kind of goes over my i kind of forget about with these tests like does the will the average tourist have a hard time not an impossible time a hard time getting on this ride and i think for this one yes yeah they would because it's the one everyone wants to get on and oftentimes the line could get really out of control mm-hmm. like it's not uncommon for this i was checking it minutes. i was checking it this morning it was it's you know it was 75 and it's not at least a listed 75. So even even if it isn't, even if they're like inflating it, the average tourist doesn't know that. That's true. And I, I have seen it at 120 quite often. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to fail it. I think it's a fail. Yeah. And then if you were really on the fence about it and like, I guess this is something worth considering for future rides is, I mean, how accessible are those? How big are those little mine cars? Like, like how, like, I mean, how accessible is this ride? If like you're really on the fence with certain attractions and you like wanted to bring accessibility into play for the average tourist test. Like, yeah, that's how- true. They they seem fairly small because it's a mm-hmm. small ride. So yeah. I, I can- So I feel like there might be some limitations there. So I, I but regardless, okay. I think it's a fail. We're gonna get some folks saying like you there's rise the resistance past and that often has a long wait. And you know, that's that's fair, I suppose. Yeah. Or, you know, rise of the resistance uh closes early without announcing it, which they do do. <laughs> I just gotta say they do hey, do look, that. We are going to have an amendment podcast at some point where we start going back and auditing all of our our stuff it'll be fun we need when more you're not content. in the heat of the moment with you know under the gun 
Sometimes people uh, may go along with certain things that they wouldn't if uh, they had their better judgment. Hey, but with that's them. part of the fun of having guests on. They that's get to true. fight for the attraction. They get honor. to really sway, and I'm easily swayed. Uh, anyways, that's O for one. Test number two, the Leslie Stahl test. Would you be willing to wait 60 minutes for this attraction if you've already been on it at least once? I'm not willing to wait 60 minutes. I am not, to as, ride on I am not either. TBH. Nah, I just I think it's worth 30. I'd wait 30. 30 is good. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, as much as I want to see Snow White emerge from some barrels, I, I don't think I'm going to be, you know, spinning those bad yeah. boys for 60 minutes. Yeah. Though, getting, getting pretty sweet that I can maybe everything. play the beat to Funky Town. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's going to happen now. That'd be great. Uh, anyways, that is 0 for 2. That's a fail. Oof. Oof. That's not a rock, rocky start here. Moving on to test number three, the smartphone test. Uh, does the cue of this ride have enough to keep you off of your phone? It's quite literally designed to keep you off of your phone. In fact, one of the interactive elements mimics a phone. So I just don't know what's going on in there. It, it's like it's aesthetically pleasing for like 10 minutes. Yeah, it's not really distracting. I do. like That's the thing. Enough. It is. It's a nice looking cue. It's a nice cue if you are waiting in it for like. 20 minutes but and then minutes. after that you're kind of just in switchbacks there is no there's no thing setting up the story all you have is like a little animation thing of like doc showing you how to get into the the mind car right yeah and the even like the interactive elements aren't like jump out at you amazing i'm not the biggest fan of the interactive elements in queue lines anyway when they it's mm -hmm. a little too gamey for me um yeah i like much more just leaning into the storytelling yeah I appreciate the effort, but I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a bad cue, but it's not a type. I don't think it's, it's got enough to keep me off my phone, especially when you consider it's a 90 minute wait. Usually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to fail it. I guess that's over three. Holy shit. Um, all right. I do feel bad about this. I feel bad. About, I, like, I, I like, we don't, why don't we revisit number three if it gets really bad? No, <laughs> Matt's saying no. All right, fine, nine. Over three. All right, number four, the Tony Stark test. How innovative is this attraction? Does it push theme park tech forward? I'd say it does. Oh, yeah, rear projection technology. I know they used it on Buzz Lightyear, but the the uh, the swiveling. Yeah, ride system. I think they're starting to animate it on other like parts of like the body for those animatronics. And I do think that yeah, the coaster tech in general with the swaying. It's the most realized version of rear projection, which was then used on Frozen yeah. and other places. And this is the first coaster, I think, just off the top of my head, Disney has done, at least stateside. I know there's like Crush's coaster. I forget what year that came out over in Paris. Yeah. But they they were pretty much just standard. You sit down. Like the, 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 the vehicles didn't really do much. Like, so, you know, maybe this was kind of the start of Disney going into the mindset of like, oh, like, let's let's have them ride on a light cycle or oh like let's you know let's give them some rotation on cosmic rewind like let's do other let's and it's especially working hand in hand with this manufacturer who's manufactured all three of those aforementioned rides yeah that might have sent this coaster might have sent them down a path of hey let's like let's start doing something different with these coasters also i'll say this to another path that maybe sent disney down and just the theme park you know universe in general is that it took strides towards making a kid roller coaster or a kid like ride have something that was a little extra. 
That's like, true. Because it would have been very easy to just make this a mind train roller coaster, kind of like Gadget's Go coaster, or just like a little mm-hmm. kitty coaster. But to add the swinging element to the ride vehicle, it's showing that you could kind of sauce up a kid attraction and make it make it ascend that extra level. Yeah. So in that sense. Which I don't know how much falls into tech, but it does. But it does, it does change how you think about yeah. a kid a kid ride. Yeah, perhaps in that way it is somewhat innovative, and it's using tech to do yeah. it. So I I think it also strived to push tech forward in its you know, by in, inherently by having to patent the mm-hmm. ride system and then using rear projection technology at this length. It's you know I'm sold. I, I'm it's, I'm willing to give it the point, not I, just because I, I feel bad for no, it. No, I, I think it's a pass. I think it's a one for four. Yeah. All right, that's a pass. Uh, moving on to test number five, the Hollywood test. Can this attraction be adapted for the silver screen? Does it have a comprehensible story? Well, it's it's from the silver screen, so I think by that virtue, it should pass. However, the story, there's nothing like new at it. Like they don't even like replicate any of the story. They don't like send you on a. They don't even give you anything before you get on the ride. It's just you're there and. Yeah, and then the witch just kind of is there at the end, and they're just dancing around. It's kind of them just having a good time. I don't, I don't really feel like a story is happening. Oh like, man, it, it but, almost kind of just feels like you just came in and saw them mining, and then is it like a day in the life? Perhaps does it have a comprehensible story? Like once again, I mean, look, the atmosphere is good, but I don't know if atmosphere truly. Uh... It's you couldn't adapt the story told in this to. You know, like most of the rides we've had that no. have been, you know, adapted from a, a, yeah. a movie property still tell a story. Yeah. And I don't at, at any point feel like I'm on a story, like in a story here, like it's my story, or I don't feel like I'm really experiencing anyone else's story. So is this a fail? I think it's a fail. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> like, I would say like the Snow White, like dark ride before would be a different situation. Yeah, it would pass because it was telling a story. You're going, you're in the POV of Snow White and you're going through her adventures as like you kind of would in the film. And even if it was its original thing, it would still, you know. I'd yeah, I mean, those test. are, it's more a cut down of the movie, but it still is telling a story. So I agree. I think this is a fail. This is one for five. Yeah, and... it's cool. It's neat. You're there, but that's, there's no. The Simpson test. How likely is this to be replaced with something new? Highly unlikely, in my opinion. It's too. It's too popular. It's too popular. It's very recent. It fits really well in they Fantasyland. Just, they just did this. They just did this Fantasyland expansion like a decade ago. It's, I don't think they're sinking I, all that money in just to immediately be like in Fantasyland. I feel like that's. It's hard to. I feel like Fantasyland is pretty IP safe. If well, not for. Everything not, not like Toad. yeah, not if you're Mr. Toad. Like even Snow White, I guess it got like moved. <sighs> but I, this is, I, I think it's safe. It's I, just too popular, and it also really plugs some pretty clear holes that Magic Kingdom yeah. had in terms of offering a thrill ride that was family accessible. Yeah. So. I guess what I'm trying to say is like there's no like big new IP that I could see like coming and taking place at that park early or uh, at least anytime soon. Like if it were to get replaced with something, it would be Fantasyland based. But that's like a lot of confidence in taking, like being like, all right, this ride is going to like, you know, this is a fantasy land type ride. Yeah. And we're going to put it where our most popular ride in the park is. Yeah. This isn't like, you know, limping through the day with like 10 minute waits. This is like, this is a- if it's an hour, it's a good day. Yeah, that's that, what it feels that's like. That's insane. Uh, so I, I do think this is a pass as well. Moving on to test number seven, the signature moment test. Can this ride hold its own without it? Is it a one trick pony? I mean, what would you say the the signature I mean, moment? The, the show is... scene in the mine, like with them singing. 
yeah it's gone like, it's, <laughs> yeah i was about to say yeah. if that's out the yeah. rest of the ride is kind of a a slightly joyous roller coaster yeah that's easily the the mind scene in the middle is what sets it apart that's like that extra juice that makes yeah. that does give you that all right, I will like wait thirty to forty. Yeah, because it's not like, just a minutes. roller coaster, the kitty roller coaster. They actually have some dark ride elements. Yeah, where they, you know, it's not often you, that that's you have any you dark feel, ride elements in a roller coaster. That's where you feel the love that went like yeah. into it, which I do believe there is some love, and I think it's incredibly well done it. too. So yeah, I think without it, though, without it, you're what? Are you, what are you it's doing? A, it's a it's a inferior version. Just go to Thund- Thunder. Mountain. Just go to Thunder yeah, Mountain, yeah, exactly. which has much better uh, scenes. <sighs> All right, well, that's that then. It's not even, it doesn't have a, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have a chance. It doesn't have a chance. All right, two for seven. <laughs> well, <laughs> now let's, uh, let's, let's see who, I feel bad. Uh, let's get into the last three tests. But before we do that, let's once again, thank our sponsors. And we are back. Okay. The last three tests. This is not going well, but hey, this ride, it's I. <laughs> it's I. It's not go. a bad ride. Test number eight, the premature detraculation test. Does this ride finish too soon? Yes. You think so? Yes. I know that's the common argument. If I was just going off like roller coaster and how much it roller coasters, sure. But they do break it up. With the dark ride? Yeah. Once again, that signature moment I think saves it for me. Whereas you get a little drop out of the station, you enjoy a a couple fun little curves, you go up into a chain lift, you do another set of curves, these, and then, then you go into the show scene, then you go up the lift hill and then you have one final. So they're all short increments. And it is three minutes. That actually is pretty long Um, for a roller coaster. And I really do enjoy the mine, the, the dark ride sequence. You know what? I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to switch it. I'm going to, I I'm get, I get it. where you're, cause that's, that is the common argument is that, and I think if you just strictly thought of it as a roller, how coaster. much does this roller coaster, roller coaster? I do like my roller coaster to roller coaster a little bit more. A lot, yeah. But the dark ride element, which is incredibly well mm-hmm. done. Breaks it. So you get a little piece of dark ride in there. All right. That's fair. It gets dinged by the signature moment, but then it gets brought back by that here. I did say it was too short and look guys cognitive dissonance okay or just it, like no i do feel like the like each coaster section feels a little too short it does and i think that's why a lot of people get upset. It's like i like so i think a lot of people you know think about this right and think i'd rather just i bet if you had all those sections like put together and it just coaster like that the whole time it wouldn't feel at like but i'm also satisfied after i get off this ride now that i think about it it's fun to watch them yeah i just don't think the whole experience cottage. feels too like short like it's not like a barnstormer or a uh, a, yeah. a, a gadget go coaster, yeah. yeah, which are like other kitty rides. Once again, like you said, it's like this is like an elevated version, yeah, of a themed kitty. It's ride. like a fantasy darkland ride that happens to go fast, yeah, which is kind of cool. All right, that's three for eight. Oh my god! Moving on to test number nine, the exit hall test. Do you see people be physically excited getting off of this ride? Do they have that bounce in their step after they leave? I actually think they do. That's the thing is, I see people physically excited. Well, kids off in it. particular when they get on this ride are I, stoked. I don't, but if we were going to go like by the book of do you see people physically excited, I would say I see a lot of people physically excited. And maybe that is like the age range and maybe not collectively amongst like adults. I don't know. When I get on it now, I'm still like, I'm happy I went on that. I had bounced the first time I went on it, yeah, me but too. that was like swayed by the... It's fun. Well, you we were swayed by the sway. Yeah. I, I actually think it's it's a fun ride. I don't think I'd be super stoked getting off of this if I waited an hour and a half, but... 
if we're just going off the ride itself, I, I enjoy getting on. And this for ride. what this ride was designed for, like the the target like audience yeah. of what this it ride was it. designed for, yeah, it crushed. It. I mean, why why would it have a seventy five minute wait every single day? Well, here's another thing too. I just went. And I, I we recorded a podcast recently uh, that also I, I talked about this experience. But I took my nephews to Universal Studios Hollywood. One of them is three. One of them is six. And the three-year-old, I was like, damn, I really can't get on a lot of rides with this guy. And especially ones that I know he's going to not be frightened by. And so when we got on the flight of the Hippogriff, I was pretty nervous about that. And he made it. It was his first roller coaster. And he was he, was, he had a pretty decent time. I think he would be stoked by this ride. And any ride where you could get on with your kids as a dad, you're probably going to be having a good time, especially if they have that balance, you're going to have that balance. So I yeah. actually think you could pass this. I agree. I, I don't I don't think the wait at, uh, time average would be as high as it was if nobody was going on it again and choosing to wait that wait, which means I think there's a lot of like kids with their parents, like Baby the Dragon, they just like love this ride. Well, moving on to test number 10, the fine wine test. Has this ride aged well? Has your opinion of the attraction appreciated or depreciated since you first experienced it? Or if it's a new ride, do you think it's going to age well? Short answer, no. I hate to say it. I mean, like, technologically speaking, the 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 projections haven't held up well on no. the animatronics. And then just from an experience, like, I still have fun on it, but, like, nothing's going to match that first go I had experiencing for the first time. There's just... But then again, like I like I like big roller coasters that do bigger things, I guess. <laughs> or if they are themed, that's the thing is like Disneyland. You sounded like a toddler. <laughs> I like big roller coasters that do big things. Just wanna just wanna have fun and, eat, and hit dingers. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't know because I still feel about it. I feel like it's a very pleasant ride, mm-hmm. uh, and I do think if you, I never thought about it through the framing of. This is basically just a Fantasyland dark ride that happens to go fast. And when I look at it through that, I do think it's aged well in my head because I never thought about it like that. So I am willing to pass this one. I'm not, but <laughs> <laughs> we could keep debating it or we could give it the hey, 0.5 look, and let it end at a 45%. I think like perhaps the the uh, animatronics have degraded. However... Mm-hmm. I can't think of another kid ride that does the things that this one does. True. One that has roller coaster elements. That's the thing, because I, 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 I can't say, oh, you know, Cosmic Rewind or Tron or Everest or better Cause coasters, because that's it. not for the market. No. <laughs> I'm still staying with a no, you no pass. If the, tech, if the animatronics in the show scene there... <laughs> Fuck, We're man. better maintained. I think I feel differently, but I think you got to go 0. 0.5. All right. All right. It's going to be 4.5 out of 10. That feels harsh. But I will say, you know what? For everyone 10 and under, this is probably world class. This is can we Can class. we like at least like give it the point for the smartphone test? Just make it 5.5? No. All right. It just, it just feels bad. It doesn't feel like it's a 4.5 out of 10 ride is what I'm getting at. <laughs> no am i is that feel crazy i mean poseidon would probably approve if poseidon would be like this ride's a one out of ten. One for the one arm that fell off snow white uh but i i really think i think it's a world-class kitty ride in that sense but yeah, like no, just I through think... adult metrics it's probably mm-hmm. not like i don't think there's 
a large reason why you would need to get on this as an adult for i, I guess i mean for me yeah. i would like it because i like disney properties but like mm-hmm. the average adult is not going to be thank god i went on that one yeah um Okay. And I mean that that could be subject to change like over the years maybe it is it does become easier to get on maybe. or Well, we're going to end or it maybe there, they then. or maybe they will upkeep, you know, they'll give it some love in that in that show scene again and I could change my So there are there are points on the table well, we're not going to add any more today. Track. They're not going to add any more track, but <laughs> uh that does it for the today. Then we're going to wrap it up right there. This unfortunately is a fail and it comes in at 4.5 out of 10. Thank you for listening and watching for your amusement. If you're listening to this, make sure you subscribe and rate the podcast five stars. And if you are watching, please subscribe to the channel over at youtube.com slash watcherpodcasts and follow at FYAPod on all the socials as well as myself at at Ryan Bergara on Instagram and, and at Ryan S. Bergara on Twix. And Byron is at Byron A. Marin on all the socials. Hey, look, I don't know. This one ended up a little different than I thought it would. If you're mad at us in the comments, maybe I'm mad at me too. I have no idea, but at least you feel something, right? Maybe I'm just trying to get those wait times down for my next visit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.